Well, hello, this is Mental Melissa again. Uh, I just recorded about five minutes of me rambling uh, when I noticed that the had the wrong earpiece in my ear, so I didn't have the one with the mic on it. So I had like five minutes of listening to my my stomach grumble. So it's gone. Bye bye. Um, so I've been spending some time thinking about what the best things about having bipolar are, and what the worst things about having bipolar are, and then just kind of the middle ground of just things that we don't think about. Um, the first one on my list is it comes from reading other people's information and then talking to other people um, cheating on your spouse is a pretty high problem with people with bipolar mania uh, you know bad decisions in general um, but some of these people describe you know prior to there was a lot of fighting uh, a lot of irritation short fuses um, just snapping and, and they weren't sure what, what the hell was going on. Um, that's a hard one. Um, but it's, it's something that I'm reading and the more going to a family, friends and family group, um, you listen to them say this and it's heartbreaking to hear, uh, but cheating on your spouse, that's a pretty big bad one. For being bipolar. Spending money you don't have, both in the form of racking up debt and purchasing cars and taking wild vacations, emptying out your accounts and just fleeing. Um, a lot of people have just been devastated by the amount of turmoil and, and ash that's left after this person in their life uh, comes down for their, their destructive uh, mania. Another one is a downward spiral. We don't talk a lot about that, the in-betweens, the ups and the downs. It's one of my favorite things to talk about because it's just the weirdest damn thing to feel. Uh, so the downward spiral, you've had this great up, you know it's going to be fantastic, and I've mentioned this in other uh, podcasts. Uh, I can't remember where we read it. But in my friends and family group, they had information on it. The most dangerous time for somebody who has bipolar is when they're on their way down, which makes sense, right? Uh, it's a time where you've just left this great, great space, and now you're getting ready to hit the wall, and if you've been there before, you know how horrific it is, um, and you don't want to let go of that high. You want to keep hanging on. You want to keep riding it just a little bit longer, uh, so the downward spirals, and I don't think our spouses and partners really get there is no great place with bipolar. The up is, is kind of great. The damage that's created and, um, is horrible. Uh, I haven't heard from a lot of people who say that their partner was really productive during mania, other than cleaning, <laughs> which, you know, who gives a shit about the cleaning? Um, but I haven't heard about anybody who's gone out and written this great play or this great book or I'm sure they're out there, but the majority of what I hear about is um, they just can't get out of bed, um, which it's not even just get out of bed. I can't get out of bed. I can't clean the house. I can't get myself clean. And I feel like sometimes our partners look at us like, 
just get in the goddamn bath and get clean. And it's like literally somebody has put uh, anvils in the floor that I have to pick up and carry or cement blocks that are on my feet. I cannot take those five steps forward to get into the bath. I cannot, if I happen to fall into the bath because I trip over the anvils, I cannot get myself to wash my hair. Um, I don't think our partners truly understand how overwhelming these small tasks are and that they're truly not small tasks. In that moment, they are ginormous and worthy of so much praise and attention. Um, But it's hard to explain that to somebody. And it's really hard to explain it to somebody when you're in that moment with depression. So there's my downward spiral. Medicine side effects. Again, something I don't think our partners really understand. Um, I don't even know that I understand it. It's, it's uh, you're screwed when you're ramping up because it doesn't happen very fast. A lot of these meds take a month or more to get into your system. Um, coming down is hellacious on some of these medications. And when doctors are tweaking your medication, you might be going up on something new and down on something old. So there are literally, you know, like two to three weeks where you are just so screwed. Just your body's just trying to cope with everything you're jamming into it. Uh, I always wonder, and I know I'm not the only person who's had two medications changes at once. How, How not smart is that? I mean, I don't want a month and a half of, you know, going up and down, but... I also don't know sometimes if you can live through doing two changes at the exact same time. How do you even know what's working and what's not? If you come back in a month later and you're like, okay, I have no clue. I feel okay, but I don't know which one it is. I don't know which change we made is affecting it. I feel like I need to have a lot more conversations with my partner about my medications and how they make me feel. Um knowing that this is a lifelong situation, um, I don't have a lot of time left on the meds that I'm on. I mean, that could just be 10 years, uh, 20 years, I don't know. Some of these, like the lithium, I think I could take for 20 years if I continue to get my blood work done and and really stay on top of that. Um, But eventually, with all of this, you're going to have to make med changes and that is scary mentally because you you don't want to end up exposed you don't want to end up um, where you know your your symptoms are coming through Um, heaven forbid you've got some nasty new symptoms that you're not prepared for Uh, I remember when I got on the Lamotrigine that takes six weeks what I was told um, to get into your system and to get get you up to your something level. I don't remember what it's called. Um, so that's a long time to be taking pills with no direct... Like I didn't have any significant change until probably the f- end of the fourth week, which is what my doctor had said. You know, it'd be about six weeks, and then right about six weeks, boom, you're going to feel better. Awesome. And I did. But that six weeks, I still had to work. Uh, Like many of you, I don't get to just sit here 
on my ass waiting for something to happen, waiting for my medication to get to the point that I can be functioning. So, you know, if you can tell your employer, "Mm, I probably wouldn't, but, uh, or just say it's a med change, that might be a smart thing. If they ask for what, just say, you know, your blood pressure, whatever. Something that might be acceptable. Um, but it's, it's hard to explain to your partner. It's hard to wrap your own mind around. Six weeks you have to take this before there's any benefit whatsoever. Yes, six weeks. And again, meanwhile, you have to function. You have to be a functioning member of society and go to work and not be just sitting there crying or be manic. Um, anyway, med side effects. Paranoia is my next one. Um, We don't do a lot of talking about this because uh, it's a worrisome, you know, side effect of being bipolar. Um, Again, I love to talk about it because I am paranoid as fuck. Um, In my moments of mania, definitely, or or in the, what is it called for bipolar too? I don't remember, um, but paranoia, super scary, you don't want to talk about to anybody, you don't want to lay down next to your partner at night and go, hey, by the way, uh, I am living in constant fear of somebody breaking into the house and taking all of our stuff and killing me, or uh, I'm terrified that while I'm driving, I'm going to have this horrific accident, and so now I can't, I can't drive anymore. Um, just a, an overwhelming amount of paranoia, and I don't, I don't know what yours is. Um, we've talked about what mine is. It's just weird to finally understand that not everybody else has these thoughts in their head. Like, most people don't have these thoughts in their head. Most people are not worried um, as much about the worst-case scenario or these scary... attacks happening. Uh, so not something you can really share with your partner, not something you can really share with your friends. This is, this is part of why I needed this group and this forum is because I do suffer from this. And it is, you know, it takes me down my knees sometimes just worrying about things that are not real and are not likely to happen. But in those moments when I am uh, manic... I I have nonstop thoughts about so many different things that could possibly happen, even though they probably won't. The next one, can't focus or concentrate. Oh my God, we've talked about this. I can't concentrate or focus both when I am depressed, uh, maybe a little bit more when I'm manic. I would say that's a little bit more selective focus, but definitely when I'm depressed can't grasp concepts. I can't, I can't do the second task that I've been asked to do. Really, it's just one task and then tell me another one. And please, for the love of God, write it the fuck down. Because if you don't write it down, I'm not going to remember what you've just asked me to do. Uh, and that definitely, I would say, that's uh, depression and then also on the downward spiral. Um, so I can see why people crave having the, the mania 
um, to have that focus, to be able to drill in and really knock something out and create something is, is what most of us live for. Um, being stuck like a drooling fool, you know, who can't, I mean, I used to laugh at my kids. I'm like, oh, come on, you've got to be able to do more than two things. Get dressed, put away your clothes. You know, I shouldn't have to tell you, get dressed, and then 15 minutes later come in and say, put away your clothes, and then 15 minutes later say, okay, pick up your toys. You know, there's, there's a lot of this that you just take for granted with a normal brain, being able to do multiple steps of things or listen to directions. And here, you know, I'm going to do make a left at this, at this stop sign, and then at the next one you're going to turn right, and then at the next one you're going to go straight through. Okay, well, I'm going to have to tell you that you've got to tell me at each stop sign what it is I need to do. On any given day, that's as much as I have to give. Uh, too little sleep. Oh, that's forever. I don't feel like that will ever go away. Too little sleep. Uh, too little sleep means that I can't focus. And I guess that may be one of the things that leads into um, not being able to focus or concentrate is usually, again, that's around the time of depression. So I'm not sleeping, even though you would think you'd be sleeping all the time. Uh, it's a lot of waking up for me. Uh, a lot of being sleepy, a lot of being tired, but not an actual lot of sleeping. Um, and then the next one is too much sleep. Um, there have been times this past year, I would say, um, I don't know, probably about four months where I was sleeping in the morning uh, after I get my kids dropped off to school. And before I went to work, I still had like an hour and a half to sleep, which I loved. Uh, so I would come in, kick off my shoes, take off my sweatshirt, um, get my phone, get it charged, set an alarm, put on my little face mask, lay down, and I was out. And then I would wake up, and usually I would wake up about 10 minutes before I had to be at work, which fortunately my work is just right down the road. So I would jump up, get my shoes back on, you know, pull my hair back up and head out the door like immediately. And I'd get to work and one of the girls would laugh. She's like, you know, I can see your mask on your face because it was so tight at the time. Uh, so I would sleep in the morning and then when I pick the kids up in the afternoon, same thing, we get home. It's like uh, 3.30, 4 o'clock. Uh, I don't have to start making dinner till 5, so I would take a nap. Um, and, and then, you know, I would wake up and I'd feel bad because I'm like, who does this? Who takes two huge naps during the day and still feel, feels tired and overwhelmed and weary? And I can raise my hand and say that would be me. <laughs> uh, plus, I was sleeping probably mostly through the night. So uh, I was easily getting, let's see, eight, maybe ten, ten and a half hours of sleep and still couldn't function. Couldn't, again, couldn't do more than one step at a time. Just not going to happen. Don't ask me to. Excuse me, I'll get us lost if I'm driving and, and you're not staying on top of it. And as much as I hate my stupid um, phone and its little Google Maps, and they're so obnoxious because some, sometimes they tell you like 15 times in a row what it is you're going to be doing. You're going to turn left on Uinta, left on Uinta. Uinta, take a left, and you're just like, shut the fuck up. And then other times, 
she'll say, take a left at Uinta. I know from where I live, um, I might be getting on the interstate or I could just be going straight through. So I'm waiting. What's the next step? Please tell me, please tell me before we get like 300 feet away from where I've got to be. Anyway, side tangent. So let's see here. Needing to share, but not wanting to talk to our loved ones. This is a big one because you're supposed to be a team and this person is carrying a lot of weight for you and, you know, being strong and steady and true and you are a mess, um, but you don't want to tell them and there's a lot of reasons why you don't want to tell them, but one of them is you don't want to burden them with yet another whiny session, you know, you don't want to start telling them about how bad you feel, um, I know my partner works very hard, uh, 60 hours a week, easy, and so he'll come home and say he's tired, and I look at him like, you don't even know fucking tired, like I'm tired to my toes, like I could just lay here on the floor for the next month and be fine, just somebody put some grapes in my mouth or something like that, so there's things you can't say because you... A would sound like a bitch. Um, you know, I'm not feeling good. My body hurts. I can't tell you that I, I don't feel all of those things as well. Uh, and no, they're not phantom pains. They're real. Um, they may be created because of a chemical imbalance, but they are very real. Um, you also don't want to talk to your partner because you don't want to start a fight you don't want to scare them that's a big one I don't like to talk about what's going on a lot of times because I don't want to scare anybody and no, I'm not saying that I'm having suicidal thoughts but just in and of itself to talk about your paranoia to talk about how you're feeling talk about how tired you are you know it freaks people out like it freaks them out bad because the only thing they're waiting for is when do I react what is she going to say that I, I need to be careful and be ready to listen for so that I know what the next step is? So it sucks because the person you love the most, the person who's your dearest friend, you don't want to talk to them about what's going on. Uh, I would say when you're on your spiral up, you don't want to talk to them about what's going on per se because you don't want them to stop you, which <laughs> would suck. Um... But it's just, it's another bad thing about being and having, being, having in bipolar. The people who loved you the most, the people who take care of you, the people who see it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly, uh, you, you put up blocks, you put up walls to kind of keep them away. So you're laying there at night and you, they say, so, you know, how was your day? How are you doing? It's all good. It's totally all good best answer some days. Uh, my final thing is secrecy. And this applies to both you and your spouse. Uh, for you, you know, I recently asked a friend um, for their opinion, because I, I do value her opinion, on going more public with my mental Melissa. Um, tying it into some other stuff that I do 
kind of incorporating like a whole me. I, I have a lot of segments of things that I do and like to talk about and so I would love to bring them all together under one house and I don't know if that's a good idea or not but that was my general thought and so I wanted to bounce that off somebody and this person who is very she's very steady and true she was like no no I don't I don't know that that's the best you know so many things could go wrong and having the anonymity to just say what you're going to say or to be fearful of not being able to say something because it'll offend somebody who knows you and that would suck so I was very grateful for that information I'm kind of still you know stewing on it to see because I can't do everything and I really am hoping to come up with a plan for 2019 that allows me to streamline what I'm what I'm doing and what my message is um, so excuse me I'm still I'm like a month month 73 of this nasal drip thing going on so that's my list oh wait secrecy one more your spouse as well and this is something we don't think about because it is so easy to be totally focused on me and my illness and my needs and one of the things that I forget about with my partner is the secrecy that they live under too because they can't tell people hey you know the reason I'm so tired today is because my girlfriend who has bipolar um, didn't sleep or my girlfriend who has bipolar is having a manic episode and has fucked up everything in my life and I'm just trying to figure out where to start to get everything back in line or I mean there's a million things but you're it's not just you your partner also can't, for the most part, talk to their, their employer about what's going on in their life, what's causing them so much chaos and causing them to be late to work and distracted. So our illness not only affects us, it affects uh, all of our caregivers and family on just the most basic level. You know, forget the inner dynamics of your relationship, just on a, a work level. Um, we're all hiding under this no I'm fine I'm fine yes I just didn't sleep good last night uh, secrecy so you know again I like to talk about I love that we all want to uh, end the stigma and come out but it's a very scary thing to reach out and say hey I have this too uh, but we're going to be fine, you know. I'm not going to screw it all up. I'll be perfectly fine, but I just wanted you to know. So we'll see. Maybe maybe I'll get all my stuff combined. Maybe I'll just keep it all compartmentalized. But I'm just now really starting to think about 2019 and what my goals want to be. Um, kind of just need to pick a month by month and kind of list out everything that I want to do and talk about. Again, if you have anything that you're interested in hearing my thoughts on, uh, just message me and let me know. Thank you again for listening. This is Mental Melissa.